Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe. Let's help each other feel less alone, let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Tired Mummy podcast. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury. Today's guest is Lauren from Innate Fertility. Lauren is a wealth of knowledge and her passion is to help women with their fertility and preconception journey. Through Lauren's own journey, she has seen what the innate wisdom of her body can do, and it is now her mission to help women seize the innate intelligence of their body with the right tools and guidance. In this episode, we touch on PCOS, endometriosis, secondary infertility, preconception and conscious conception. I really hope you guys love this episode as much as I did. This episode is brought to you by MitoLife. I have been using MitoLife for well over a year now and their supplements have been a game changer in my life, especially in my first year of motherhood. If you've listened to my episode about how I keep my toddler's immune system strong, you would have heard me mention their Shilajit product. Shilajit is a complete trace mineral containing more than 85 carbon-bonded organic minerals that are easily absorbed by the body. It's also a super-rich source of folic acid, a compound which increases delivery of the minerals into the cell. It's a whole food supplement that brings mineral balance to the whole body in a natural way. And of course, I also take it myself. Uh, if I was stuck on an island and I was only allowed two supplements, it would be shilajit and magnesium for sure. I honestly believe that Shilajit is one of the supplements that has kept me going through these last few years of sleep deprivation. 
They have a ton of other amazing products as well that I use, like their vitamin E and their beef liver. I really feel like the vitamin E helps me with my skin. It's really good for a ton of other reasons, but visibly I can see my skin improving. And the beef liver, I think everyone knows how amazing beef liver is. It's the most nutrient dense thing in the world. And having it in a tablet form is just awesome because then you don't have to taste the gross liver. <laughs> Mito Life have given me an amazing discount for my listeners. Just use the code TIREDMUM15 at the checkout and you will get 15% off. So I will chuck the link in the show notes for you or you can just head to mitolife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F-E.co. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Can you please kick things off and let the listeners know a little bit about you and what propelled you into the work that you're doing today? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Alice. I'm really excited to be here. And to answer your question, the one thing that truly propelled me into what I'm doing today and how I find myself here is my experience with the hormonal birth control pill. So that was really what shifted my almost, you know, life goals <laughs> and, and the work that I was doing. Um, I was on the birth control pill for eight years and had originally started taking it for adult acne. And, you know, at the time that I was taking it, there weren't as many resources available to me. Uh, now, you know, you have so much information for free on social media. I don't think that many people realize how amazing that is <laughs> <laughs> because when I was looking for solutions for acne and you know trying to weigh the pros and cons of birth control I had my friends I had my doctors and that's it and pretty much everyone was pro birth control and couldn't tell me any of the cons or you know I couldn't really truly make an informed decision at that time but I chose to take it and it was very easy to get. And I took it for eight years and hindsight's 2020, 20, but on the birth control pill, I developed a ton of issues like um, subclinical hypothyroidism, uh, pre-diabetes. I developed an autoimmune disease and I had melasma. Um, I also had candida as well amongst many other other issues, but those were kind of like the primary ones that really stick out to me during my time on the birth control pill. And then at the tail end of my birth control use, my acne started coming back. And I was like, why am I on this? And at that point, there was more information available, not too much more, but I found Dr. Jolene Brighton and started reading about post birth control syndrome. And it was literally, um, well, so I found her, I, I started doing my own research. I was like, I'm going to get off this. And um, then I developed post-birth control syndrome and had zero resources though, because that was still a very novel concept and not many people understood what that was. And my doctors, basically all, all three of them, my OBGYN, dermatologist and primary care physician, they were like, well, there's really nothing you can do. Um, or you can get back on this pill, the birth control pill, or take this one. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm done with you guys. I am so done because um, during all that time that I had all those issues too, like candida, subclinical hypothyroidism, um, 
pre-diabetes, I was told the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, oh, it can't be birth control, you know, it's not connected. Um, so that sparked my own uh, interest and really got me taking control of my own health, doing my own research, putting together my own nutrition and lifestyle plan. And I was able to heal myself. And also in the the thick of it all, I was able to heal my lifelong asthma too, which was kind of shocking. So it was a bonus. And then after that, I I felt like I had discovered gold and, you know, I was like, I need to help people (laughs) because I I felt so hopeless. And, um, and then, you know, being able to reverse all those things and really take control of everything was life-changing. So that's amazing. I feel like so many people have that story. I have a similar story with the birth control pill. Have you seen the documentary, The Business of Birth Control? I have, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I, I, Like you said, I wish something like that had come out a long time ago. But if anyone mm-hmm. hasn't seen it, just Google it. You'll find it. It's an amazing resource. And, yeah, they go they go pretty deep into the effects and, you know, the, the business of birth control perfect heading yeah absolutely it's a great documentary and resource just to let you know dip your toes and not make any commitments but just kind of learn yeah it's a great succinct hour-long documentary yeah have to agree okay let's shift gears because today I wanted to talk specifically about conscious conception because there's a lot of mums that really want to know what they can do to get their body ready for pregnancy, not just their first pregnancy, but their subsequent pregnancies to increase their chances at conceiving. Because I'm hearing a lot about, um, there's a lot of people uh, having problems getting pregnant after their first child um and there's a lot of information out there and honestly it's confusing um could you talk us through the common mainstream health protocols that we commonly see that maybe are not as helpful as they're made out to be yes absolutely and you know i do see that trend too it's called secondary infertility although i don't like that term because i feel like you know using the term infertile that's just um a misnomer there's times where we're not optimally fertile even in our own monthly cycle you know mm. so I feel like it's misused a lot um so it's not my favorite term but I do see a lot of women struggling with that and you know typically what I'll see is a lot of uh, assisted reproductive technology use after the first pregnancy and if you look at the data out there that's increasing at least five percent possibly 10 percent if I remember correctly every year maybe five to ten um so it's it's on the rise for sure uh but I feel like there's so much that we can do to support ourselves um so a couple of the things that are very common but maybe not so helpful um are you know a lot of I guess detoxes or crazy diets and cleanses I do, I am definitely a proponent of sort of putting our, the best version of ourselves forward into pregnancy to, you know, not only support how quickly we can get pregnant, but also how healthy our pregnancy is, reducing risks and complications during pregnancy, which can develop based on our state of health prior to pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then of course, the health of our future child making the healthiest baby possible 
and then being able to recover quickly to be able to support that child once they're born. So I, I can't tell you how many women I speak to that, you know, they have pregnancy after pregnancy. And this is something we could talk about too, pregnancy spacing, but um, they're like, I have zero energy to even hold my child right now. I can't enjoy running around with them because I'm bedridden because I'm so exhausted or like my teeth are falling out because <laughs> I have no, no minerals left. Um, and, you know, of course, for every story like that, there's also a, a story for, you know, it's totally fine everything's fine. Uh, but there are, you know, it's something to just be aware of because not everyone has lived the same life experiences, had the same nutrition, have the same stressors. And so to, based on our resilience, and that's going to be very individual, we have mm -hmm. to consider that in terms of like what we want in our goals. So um, as far as things that we see that are maybe not so helpful, those detoxes, um, you know, again, I do truly believe that we can do things to decrease our heavy metal load, which we pass on to baby, decrease our um, gut dysbiosis or optimize our microbiome because we also pass that on to baby. And um, that's very, very important also for avoiding things like group B strep in the third trimester when you get tested and all that stuff. Um, and xenoestrogens, which can make it more difficult as well. There's chemical estrogens that can really throw our own hormonal balance off uh, and can mess with our cycle, but they can also mess with the sexual development of our future children too. Um, and uh, there's also things like mycotoxins and molds, uh, which can also act like estrogens, but also really create some issues with egg quality and sperm quality. So there's definitely some intentional things that we can do, but, you know, doing a tummy detox or I don't know, a crazy like fasting juice cleanse prior to pregnancy is not great. I would also say, uh, you know, eating fortified foods is also possibly not great, depending on where you're coming from. Of course, there's a financial implication too, like what can we afford? But there's a lot of fortification. And one of the aspects of fortification in particular here in the United States, there's tons of fortification, especially with the product uh, processed foods. Yeah. Um, they fortify with iron and folic acid and sometimes other things. Uh, but the thing about fortification, you know, these things are, I mean, it's kind of like the, the government sees like, oh, we can prevent this many diseases by fortifying the food system with this, you know, thing. And that's all great and dandy. And, you know, in the nineties, folic acid was like discovering gold, going back to that yeah. <laughs> saying. Um, but now we know more about folic acid and more about the population and about 50% of the population here, at least in the United States, has um, an, an MTHFR gene mutation. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and can't, literally can't convert folic acid into folate, which methylfolate, which is what it needs to be converted into. So folic acid is a chemical, whereas folate from food is pretty much always in the usable form or at least the majority of the folates in food are the, the one folate 
that is the most present in food is already ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so uh, we have, you know, potentially we are, uh, yes, preventing neural tube defects, which is the number one thing that everyone knows folic acid for, but, you know, why is a third of the population folic acid resist? Why are, why is a third of neural tube defects uh, resistant to uh, folic acid supplementation. It just doesn't work to prevent it anyway. So, um, and we're also discovering how, you know, unbound, unmetabolized, uh, excuse me, unmetabolized folic acid is potentially harmful. We don't know what it can do. And if we can't convert it, it just kind of does what in our body and- Yeah, floats around. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been connections made. I mean, a lot of it ends up in cord blood. A lot of it ends up, um, you know, potentially causing issues with tongue ties and things like that. So there's, you know, it, we still need folate and folic acid also has the potential to cause a functional folate deficiency because it'll block the receptors, but it won't act the same. So, you know, if we have half the population with this issue and we're eating tons of fortified foods. So, you know, if you're eating the standard American diet or as some call it the standard Australian diet, you're getting a ton of fortified uh, foods in your daily um, you know, nutrition regime. And you're probably getting a ton of folic acid, which is probably not going to be super beneficial. Um, so it's definitely a controversial, controversial subject, excuse me, uh, because there are more studies done on folic acid than folate and also they're used interchangeably in the research the name so it's all quite confusing and very complicated but we're learning more and we should be doing better um, to kind of communicate this information i feel um, so you know you may want to and of course you know removing processed foods is going to be beneficial for everyone, not, not necessarily removing them completely, but minimizing them and replacing them with whole nutrient dense foods. That's, that's going to do so many wonders. Um, I think uh, there's also a trend kind of in parallel to this, um, taking huge doses of folic acid. Mm. There's a lot of uh, doctors and MDs that uh, especially for women struggling with fertility or, you know, recurrent pregnancy loss, they'll prescribe like 2000 uh, micrograms of folic acid. And that is insane without even testing them for MTHFR. So I think that's another pretty reckless trend. Um, and it's, it's going on. I have women reaching out to me all the time about this. I, doesn't that sound weird to you? Like, it may, I feel weird taking this or it's making me like have hot flashes or feel dizzy. Um, I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening? Because these MDs should really know this um, can do some damage. So um, I feel like that is definitely a miss. I think there's a lot of fear around vitamin A as well. Mm, um, yeah. There's so much dogmatic um, fear about it because of these studies done in the 90s that were done incorrectly. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I would say like synthetic vitamin A, sure, there's definitely a potential for um, birth defects, you know, synthetic anything, too much in excess, of course. Even, you know, potentially real stuff, although I don't believe there's ever been that documented. Um, but, you know, when you're getting 
vitamin A from real whole foods, they're going to have the other cofactors that allow it to work properly in the body. So there's less of a fear, less of a risk. Um, you know, if you're eating tons of fortified foods too, you're probably getting extra synthetic vitamin A where that could potentially be a problem if you have a high vitamin A intake overall. And vitamin A, I mean, retinol, not beta carotene, they're very different. Um, so I mean, preformed vitamin A, not pro vitamin A. And I can explain that if you want, but, <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I think, um, I think also a lot of women, and this is more so less, less advice, but more so on the culture of convenience. Um, a lot of women will rely on prenatals too much. I think, um, they don't realize that prenatals are a supplement. They don't contain all the nutrients we're supposed to be getting for a healthy baby. They're vastly different. There's no like regulation around what can be called a prenatal. Um, so, you know, you're, you're you could you could guess and be taking this random thing, and you thought you were getting this nutrient. You thought you were getting all the nutrients you needed to support baby, and um, you're eating like crap food, um, and then you know, it kind of creates this, um, I, I find that it creates like less, uh, less good food habits. Um, of course there are women out there, you know, they got it locked in trying really hard, but just know that prenatals don't contain all the nutrients you need. You have to eat good food <laughs> if you're being intentional about getting all the micronutrients you need. So there's no way to get around. There's no replacement for a high quality diet. Um, and that could be very different from person to person based on their economic status and, you know, um, their intolerances, uh, their lifestyle, but um, whole foods, real foods are going to never be um, outshone <laughs> of versus prenatals. Um, and I think maybe this is more so for pregnancy. This is my last one, I promise. Um, okay. <laughs> more Love so. It. <laughs> more so during pregnancy uh this there's some advice that um oh you there's some also really old advice that you should uh avoid um eating um shellfish or seafood because of the mercury content or um you know don't eat runny eggs or deli meat or you know raw dairy um when <laughs> you know these are all Sure, they're animal products and um, every food has a risk, but that's the thing, every food has a risk. And if you look at research, which is out there, animal products have just as much of a risk for foodborne illness as plant foods. So, you know, what are you replacing with that romaine salad? You're just as much of a ri at risk uh, for a foodborne illness. You know, if you were, you know, intentionally swapping your, deli meat for that romaine salad. Um, so there's a lot of unrealistic um, and really crazy fear put around these foods. And a lot of women end up removing these foods completely from their diets or doing some weird stuff like microwaving their deli meat, which no judgment, but it probably tastes really gross. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I, I break this down a lot on my page and in my course, but um, we don't have to have as much fear as we think we think we do. And ultimately it's based upon our own risk tolerance, what we choose to consume and 
you know, allow into our bodies. But uh, if you're avoiding these nutrient dense foods for less nutrient dense foods, you might be missing out on some really key nutrients. Uh, like, for example, shellfish and seafood, they're really great sources of iodine, zinc and selenium. And that's kind of hard to make up um, if you're not uh, yeah, intentionally. It's hard, to, it's hard to get those. I mean, I when I first what's my first pregnancy, it's that the fear is still there. There's still a lot of fear around that food, but I, I did my research, but anyone listening, I had oysters. I had the cheese. I had the eggs. Like I had the beef liver. Like you, they do try to scare you with, oh, beef liver's got too much vitamin A. You need it. You need all those foods. Um, so yeah, if, if you're wondering, I survived. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get any, you know, illnesses I, but like you're right with the salad I do know I do know a mama who got um salmonella from eating a salad like mm-hmm. so it's all you know the risk the risk there's risk in everything like you said yeah um now I'm a pretty conscious aware mama and there's a lot of factors to consider when you're thinking about conceiving and sometimes thinking about them all is overwhelming. Um, Mm -hmm. But where do you think is the best place to start? Do we need to learn more about our bodies with testing or do we just start with diet um, and exercise? That's a great question. And I'm going to take probably a different approach than you (laughs) may, may anticipate. So I think the first thing to do is to stop outsourcing your health and to get in tune with your own self and that is going to be invaluable because you're going to have to make so many decisions, not only during your pregnancy, but also for your future child. And if you are not solid in sort of what you want your pregnancy to look like, what you want your parenting to look like, what health decisions you want to make for your child, it's it's going to be so difficult to make those decisions in an informed way. And oftentimes we'll be making decisions out of fear Mm. instead of from a confident, true and genuine place. And so those fear decisions are the reason that women go, oh, I so regret doing this in my pregnancy. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. And there's it really creates so much stress during pregnancy too. Like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I, should I do this? Should I do that? And, you know, or, or you just like, I don't, I don't, I can't think about this anymore. I'm just going to do what he says or she says. Um, So I feel like it's so important to start these habits and that mindset now, because it's only going to help reduce stress, make those decisions so much easier to make, because if you know your self, if you know what you want, then you're going to be able to navigate much more smoothly because you're going to be able to say, okay, this doesn't, you know, resonate with me and the path that I want to take, I'm going to choose this, or, you know, it'll just make that decision-making process so much easier and so much more in tune. And you'll end up in a place where you feel happy instead of regret and remorse. Um, So I would say, you know, maybe make a list. (laughs) What do you want for yourself? What do you want as a mother for your pregnancy? Um, And then 
sort of more aligned to what you were asking earlier, uh, or I guess maybe ex possibly expected from this question. Um, I would just start by looking at your health right now. Um, how is it right now? What is your cycle like? Your menstrual cycle? Are you regular? Uh, do you have a good enough luteal phase? Are you making enough progesterone? Do you have any PMS? Um, how is your libido? That is information that will tell you your state of health and where you might need to make improvements. Mm -hmm. Your cycle mm -hmm. is at the fifth vital sign. And that is going to tell you so much information. We need to pay attention to that. You know, you, you can't get pregnant without <laughs> ovulating. You can't get pregnant without intimacy. Those all need to be happening. <laughs> so what better place to start? And I would also, of course, look at nutrition and lifestyle. I would say exercise is also very important, but that's going to range quite a bit. But if you know, if you've been eating the standard American or Australian diet for the past few years, you might want to take some time to build up those nutrient stores because you're probably going to be lacking in a lot of nutrients. Um, or if you are on a plant-based diet, for example, there's going to be some really uh, purposeful and intentional nutrients you want to also focus on building up that uh, are going to be really important for pregnancy. Um, I would say lifestyle as well. You know, what's your sleep like? Are you getting enough sunlight? Uh, how is your stress? These all sound like very simple, basic things, but oftentimes we seek the magic pill to replace these and they cannot be replaced. So it's really important to look at these things. Um, and I would say, yeah, those are kind of, that's where I would really start mm -hmm. and then go from yeah. there. And, you know, if you notice you have an irregular cycle, okay, what's your nutrition like? What's your sleep like? What's your stress level is like? What kind of testing do we feel like we need to do? Do we need to do a cycle map or, you know, is, is a regular Dutch test good enough? And do we want to test your thyroid? You know, kind of that kind of stuff. Um, but it's important to just have that check-in with yourself. I think that's beautiful. I think that's a, that's a really smart thing to do is to start with your mindset first and set realistic goals. Like I really wish I was, I was pretty like into nutrition before my first pregnancy, but like by the end of it, I needed an iron infusion because my iron was so low and, um, and I haven't had my iron check since, and I know, I know it's really, really low. And that's something that I need to work on now, but I just, you know, that, that doesn't set you up for success. You know, you get to the end of your pregnancy and you're tired. Then you become a parent for the first time. Holy moly, you're tired. Two years on sleep deprivation because your child doesn't sleep. You're tired. Like, you know, there's in hindsight, there's just so many things I wished, you know, I'd set myself up for and definitely, you know, your first point is something that I really wished I had guidance for, or someone was like, you know, you should probably think about this first. Um, so that's definitely something I will start with when we yeah, let's... decide to try again. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it's really important. Um, you know, you can make your body as healthy as possible, but you still need to have your mind in the right space and, you know, be realistic and set goals and, have a lot of self-compassion as well. Um, yes, that point is really important because we can, I don't want to be 
I don't, hopefully this doesn't come off as like, you need to know everything before you even try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you also have to be able to go with the flow, you know, accept information, but figure out kind of like what your process is going to be like to synthesize that and what you're going to accept into your life. Um, not everything is going to go as expected. So you also need to, again, like you said, have self-compassion and be able to kind of be agile as well. Um, because as much as everyone would like to control everything, uh, pregnancy is too wild for that. It really is. (laughs) It's like the number one lesson in like letting go Mm -hmm. and that you can't control anything. So is parenting actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Now I wanted to talk a bit about the spacing that you um, talked about before. In a perfect world, um, how long should we prepare our bodies for conception, especially between children? That's a really good question. I think it's going to be different from person to person. There's definitely like recommended guidelines out there. I'm sure, I'm not sure what it's like in the uh, Australia, but in the US, it's like three months. Um, oh my but... God. <laughs> That's terrible. But if you know anything about, you know, egg maturation and all that stuff, that's not nearly enough time most of the time because women in their pre- reproductive years, most women are uh, nutritionally deficient as well. Yeah. Um, so we really have to be intentional about building up our nutrition stores just as one example. Um, I think, uh, and I, I talk about this in my course and I'm actually being much more um, thoughtful about this. I'm going to have kind of like a flow chart. Uh, and I, for those that don't know, I have a preconception course, but it's going to help you kind of figure out timing, but that's because there's no one like exact time frame. you know, what, again, what has your uh, stress level, what have your stress levels been like? What has your nutrition been like for the past couple of years? Do you have any unresolved trauma? What are your cycles like? If you have irregular cycles, you're going to need time to regulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you have gut issues like SIBO, H. pylori, dysbiosis, parasites that all needs time to be taken care of and then built back up again. Um, and these are all areas that we imprint on our children. We imprint our hormones, our nutrition status, our microbiome status, our stress and trauma, our athletic capacity, um, and so much more. And that starts at the time of conception. So, you know, as much as we can prepare, um, it really can do a lot of, a lot to not only help put our best foot forward, but also give us peace of mind in case, you know, we do get morning sickness that first trimester and we can't eat that much or anything like that. So um, I think that there's really no one um, set uh, time frame from from pregnancy to pregnancy um, or from child to child, I would say there are guidelines out there based on some research and it's about 18 months at least between uh, from delivery to pregnancy. And that's to reduce uh, pregnancy complications. And I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but um, there's like preeclampsia risk increases uh, birth defects risk increase, increases. So it's 
a bunch of different things. I have a post on it on my Instagram page if you want to check it out. But um, there's some good research to show that, you know, anything shorter, it starts to increase the risk of a lot of complications or birth defects. Um, so, you know, that would be sort of a, a minimum. And if you look at ancestral or traditional practices, it was at least um, two and a half years to four years between each child. And that was to ensure the recovery, the optimal recovery of the mother, the optimal survival of the child, and then the optimal survival of this, the um, second, or the, I'm looking for a word and I can't remember it, but subsequent <laughs> child, subsequent child. Yeah. there we go. <laughs> um, and so, um, <clears throat> you know, it was all, it's all about optimal survival. And throughout these different phases, there's intentional foods that people are eating, these tribes are eating. So um, it's all very purposeful. And of course, you know, not everyone has the luxury of preparing. Sometimes, you know, we think we have a certain timeline and then a surprise happens or it just doesn't go as we expected. And um, I do think preconception is, while it's definitely worthwhile, it is a bit of a luxury for a, a lot of women. Um, but I think it's a really great opportunity and it's very empowering because I think most people think that we can't control what happens like, um, or sorry, we have zero control of what happens. Like our genes, our genetics are our genetics, our genes are our genes, we can't change it. Why even bother? Uh, but there's so much research and I've literally seen it in so many clients. Like you can have a much better pregnancy the second time if the first time was not great. Um, and, you know, you can really put your best foot forward to avoid certain complications that you're worried about or that you experience in your first pregnancy. Um, and you can have a thriving energetic pregnancy and a thriving energetic postpartum and a healthy child. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to see everything in action kind of like coming and unfolding. That's so awesome. I think, yeah, it's taking like radical responsibility. Like you can, you can have the outcomes that you want. I think sometimes, you know, in a world where you can pretty much get anything you want right now, I think it's hard for a lot of people to take that time to put in the effort um yeah I know sometimes I feel really impatient with you know if I'm working on like my nutrient like my my minerals and my vitamins and like my iron for example like I know that's going to take time to get that up there and I know I'm a little bit impatient but I just have to suck it up <laughs> yeah because I, I want a better I want a better outcome I want a better experience so yeah, nothing worthwhile is um, instantaneous. Uh, there's there's a saying, I'm, I'm messing it up. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember <laughs> the exact saying either. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, now, I wanted to ask my second last question. Do you have any, do you have any, do you see any common themes um, with women finding it difficult to conceive? Um. Yes, I do. And as far as trends go, uh, I see, and are you asking about trends? 
Yeah, like just things that you see commonly all the time in, in specifically with clients that are having a hard time conceiving. Okay, got it. So um, a couple of, I guess, like issues I see commonly and then I can talk about um, sort of maybe habits. Um, a lot of unexplained infertility. I feel like that's being handed out like candy that diagnosis yeah I don't know what is going on but uh I think doctors are just like stumped right now <laughs> um a lot of short luteal phases so uh there's a lot of um progesterone not being made adequately or, or utilized adequately uh there's a whole you know, just because you can make enough too, doesn't mean you can utilize it. So you have to be able to do both and circulate it too. So I feel like there's a lot of luteal phase deficiencies. Um, and uh, we have recurrent pregnancy loss as well, uh, being one of the, maybe it's by default that I get, you know, so many women reaching out to me about this, but uh, it's it's quite common as far as my practice goes. Um, so, I mean, in the, I guess in the sort of, to, to kind of like address what I see most commonly across all these things is, and to be super high level, uh, it's inflammation. So a lot of inflammation, a lot of oxidative stress, a lot of, you know, spending too much without putting any in the bank or the tank. Um, there's not enough supply to meet the demand. And as women, we take on so much and, you know, there's so much that we do every day, especially for moms. Like they are really uh, amazing superhumans um but oh, yeah. it comes at a cost sometimes you're doing everything yeah and you get no breaks and so uh that kind of builds up in the body and there's just a lot of inflammation um so that's a general generally speaking in terms of like simplifying yeah. that is kind of what I'm seeing um and that could mean you know maybe there's not enough nutrient uh dense diet happening and maybe you're not getting enough antioxidants or maybe you're not sleeping enough um, or maybe it's a combination of the two or maybe you know we have some unresolved trauma that we need to work on or maybe we're over exercising not eating enough uh, there's so many things that that can sort of trickle down out to or trickle down to um, but uh, that's kind of what I would say so you know addressing this would be to kind of figure what those things are out uh, based on that person's individual body composition, uh, biology, physiology, um, history, their goals, their timeline, um, and, and working on those individually uh, to get them something that works for them, um, that they can sustain, and that will hopefully help them reach the goal that they want. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of um, diseases and I don't know, hormonal issues or women issues. It's just blanketed over. And commonly I feel like the core issue is inflammation. 
and they just mm-hmm. name they just give all these different names but really if we could lower information it would probably make most of them disappear <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure yeah um, well I mean like metabolic issues like PCOS that yeah. trickles down to the reproductive system but that is an inflammatory condition and so is endometriosis and like all these reproductive issues we kind of like drive ourselves crazy trying to run down the rabbit holes of like these you know really unique niche things but if we can kind of like um zoom out um there's a lot of the same stuff happening um or or a lot of area a lot of the same areas of opportunity so awesome okay my last question for you and that is what advice would you give to anyone that's feeling like they're wanting to give up on their conception journey? Oh gosh. Um, well, I definitely understand this pain. Uh, just, you know, uh, I understand it from so many perspectives. So, um, you're not alone. Just know that, um, journey can be long for a lot of people and sometimes it's really hard and defeating and you don't know you know it can be really really rough uh, emotionally especially but also physically depending on what you're going through if you're going through fertility treatments that is taxing so um i think that you know i i am also not a toxic positivity person but um I think (laughs) it's important to know that um you know your body is smart and it knows what to do and even if you feel like it's stabbing you in the back at this moment and that um it's dragging you through the mud uh, sometimes you know we just need the right tools or it could be we might need a break. Just a little break too sometimes can help um, for your mental spirit, emotional spirit, your physical spirit. And oftentimes, um, so I, I guess what I would say is there's that perspective. Your body knows what to do. It just sometimes needs the right tools or sometimes it just needs, maybe we're putting so much stress on ourselves and this is not to gaslight anybody. But um, maybe we're putting so much stress on ourselves and which is often what can happen. I'll have a client say, we're going on a break. I just need a mental break. And that's the month that they get pregnant. So, um, you know, giving yourself air and space to breathe because, you know, that journey, it's a job. And we also need breaks from that. Um, to just allow ourselves to be human. So uh, don't, you know, neglect that, uh, especially if you've been on that journey, hammering away for like a year or more, just, you know, sometimes that breath of air might be what you need to. Um, and there's so much more to unpack there, but in the time that we have, I think I'll just leave it at that. And <laughs> But you're not alone. So just know that too. Mm, beautiful. That's Thank you so much for your time today. You have unpacked a lot and I will send everybody to you because I'm sure anyone that's listening is going to want to know where to find you. And 
you do have a lot of resources on your page and on your website and so many like awesome recipes and stuff. Like um, I've been putting bee pollen in my coffee. Like I thought I think that's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, lots of, lots of resources. So I'll put everything in the show notes so everyone can find you, but I just really wanted to thank you for coming on and uh, sharing so much of your knowledge and wisdom today. Oh, thanks for, so much for having me, Alice. This was a wonderful conversation. Wow, that conversation with Lauren was so insightful and I'm so grateful for all of her knowledge. Um, if you resonated with Lauren and would like to go find her, you can find her at innate underscore fertility um, on Instagram or you could go to innatenutrition.com. She really does share so many resources on her Instagram in particular, but she also does have some freebies on her website. So be sure to check it out. Thank you again for listening. I'm so grateful for every listen. And if this episode resonated with you, please leave me a five-star review on your podcast app. Thanks again, everyone. And I'll speak to you soon. Until next time, this tired mummy is signing out.